If God is good, all good and, and all powerful, then why doesn't he just simply destroy evil? But it doesn't seem like he does. It seems like evil is everywhere and God, if he is real, is constantly losing to evil. And if he loved us, would he actually let us suffer? That doesn't seem loving. And so we gotta tackle this. We gotta look at this. The question of evil and suffering is one of the most fundamental questions of humanity. Together for Salem. I'm Monica, this weekend's host of Together for Salem. This is content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem for Salem for you, and we're inviting you to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers. We're doing it together. And right now we're doing it together online. So you're probably watching on YouTube or maybe you're listening on a podcast. And I just want to welcome you and say thanks. We're in the middle of our So What About series, and it's not too late to ask a question. You'll find a link in the description for that. Uh, this is a little behind the scenes look. Uh, this is where we do a lot of the uh, producing or editing of these episodes. And I'm just welcoming you into our basement and I'm welcoming John and he's gonna talk about a pretty uh, intense topic this week. I hope you enjoy it. It's gonna give us lots to think about and a lot to discuss in our small groups or connect groups or maybe just with the people that you're watching and listening with. So I'll come back on the other side with a couple of announcements, but here's John. So for this week's episode, I thought we would take things a little easier and try to tackle one of the, the easier questions of life, which is, why is there evil and suffering? In fact, people have been struggling with this question, really, for all of human history. In fact, in six, around 600 BC, uh, Israelite prophet named Habakkuk actually wrote this. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Must, why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Does that sound familiar? Like, it could have been written today? Really? See, the question of evil and suffering is one of the most fundamental questions of humanity. Belief systems have tried to answer this question really for millennia. Take Buddhism, right? They try to, Buddhist, Buddhists try to answer this question. Evil and, evil and suffering, according to Buddhism, is, is caused by being too attached to the world and too attached to ourselves, and so in order to avoid evil and suffering, we need to let go. In Islam, suffering is caused by Allah, either as punishment for evilness or as a test for the, the righteous. And so the way to handle evil and suffering is just to submit to Allah. In Hinduism, suffering is the result of karma, right? We're, we're getting what our selfish choices have earned us in previous lives. And so really, there's no point in, in changing our suffering, either for ourselves or even for others, because it's, it's all deserved anyway. <clears throat> or more like uh, modern spirituality tries to answer this question also, where evil and suffering is an illusion. 
And really, it's an illusion you allow yourself to believe. And so if you want to avoid evil and, and not suffer, just you need to think more positively and send more positivity into the universe and not give those negative thoughts uh, ownership of you. And then even in naturalism, where good and evil, they try to answer good and evil by saying good and, the ideas of good and evil is really just byproducts of our evolutionary process. And suffering really has no, no meaning or purpose. It's just part of furthering evolution and, and we adapt and, and we grow and we change. See, evil and suffering are universal human experiences. It is. No one escapes it. But we all question it. Isn't that interesting? Evil and suffering is one of the most common things in the world, but we all feel that it, it shouldn't be there. We all feel someone should do something about evil and suffering. What's that about? I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, when we ask the question, why is there evil and suffering? Or so what about evil and suffering? I think there's two types of people who, who voice this question to church people or, or, or pastors. I think that there's few who really just want to disprove God for, for whatever reason they have. And they, they ask a good question, but they're not really looking for good answers. But for most of us, because I, I don't think that's you watching and listening, for most of us, this is not just an academic or philosophical question, is it? The question of evil and suffering is intensely personal. We ask this question because we're actually having to stare evil and suffering in the face and actually deal with it in our real lives. And so this question needs more than a catchy saying like, well, everything happens for a reason, just move along. And honestly, real pain that we really face in the real world needs more than just having some Bible verses thrown out of context, tossed at it. See, when we're diagnosed with cancer, when a loved one dies, when a tsunami kills thousands of people, when someone hurts you through no fault of your own, there's no answer, no philosophical mumbo-jumbo that, that will make anyone feel better in those moments. And what we're going to talk about, this is a huge topic, and I am not going to hit everything, and I might not satisfy every nuanced question you have about it, but maybe together we can find a different way of looking at evil and suffering. And through that, we can ask a better question and find a better answer. Because I do believe there is a better answer than we usually get. There's a more personal answer that ultimately takes our pain and suffering and creates it into something unbelievably good. So to do that, we have to start with the framework, the lens that we've kind of laid down in this series. And it's this, Jesus proved that God loves us. Jesus proved it. And so that allows us to slightly tweak our question to this, the better question. Since God loves us, why does he allow evil and suffering? And this is going to be crazy, and I want you to stick around to see if I actually can prove this. But the answer to that question is actually in the question. God allows evil and suffering because he loves us. That's dumb! <laughs> like, that, think about it, that seems dumb. If God is good, all good and, and all powerful, then why doesn't he just simply destroy evil? But it doesn't seem like he does. It seems like evil is everywhere, and God, if he is real, is constantly losing 
to evil. And if he loved us, would he actually let us suffer? That doesn't seem loving. And so we've got to tackle this. We've got to look at this. And I think that we're, we're dealing with two different points, really, right? Evil and suffering. And so we have to take them one at a time. So let's start with evil. Why is there evil in the world? Evil is the result of freedom. See, God loves us so much that he gives us freedom. We call it free will. We're free to make our own choices. Why? Because love isn't love without the freedom to choose it. God didn't create us as, as mindless robots to do his bidding. And he, he, he didn't just like force us to love him because that's not actually love, right? He gave us freedom to choose to love him and others. And when that freedom is used as it's designed, this freedom is powerful. It's beautiful. It gives us dignity as humans. It makes, it makes life meaningful because our choices actually mean something. Our choices matter because we're free to make them. And so we have the ability to make the world better through our choices to love. It's powerful. But there's a dark side to that freedom because we're free to abuse it as well. We are free to hurt ourselves and to hurt others. Think about this. Every hurt we cause comes from abusing our God-given freedom. Every hurt we cause comes from abusing our God-given freedom. It's what the biblical writings call sin or evil, where we, where we say no to love and yes to ourself. So, our question, why doesn't God destroy evil? Well, to destroy all evil, God would have to either destroy freedom and love or destroy all the evildoers. And you're thinking, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Destroy them. Like, give them what they deserve. They're evil. Destroy all the evildoers. Why doesn't he do that? Great question. If God destroyed all the evildoers, he'd have to destroy you and me. See, just as, as you've been hurt by people, you have caused hurt for others on purpose. So if God destroyed all the evildoers, there'd be no one left. We bring the evil into the world. So God allows evil because he loves us, because he doesn't want to destroy us. So it makes sense, right? And so you might be saying, okay, well, I'll give you that one. Good for you, Jack. But what about suffering that has nothing to do with free will? Disease, disasters, things like that, where it's no, no one's choice. We just suffer because the world is harsh. That's a good question. In fact, there's that common argument, right? That either uh, God's not powerful enough to stop suffering, therefore he isn't God, or he just doesn't care, and therefore he's not loving, and either way, he's not really a God that we want to follow. Well, uh, a philosopher, theologian, William Lane Craig, kind of put it in perspective this way. He said, one reason that the problem of suffering seems so puzzling is that people naturally tend to assume that if God exists, then his purpose for human life is happiness in this life. He says, it seems like God's role in this situation, God's role is to provide a comfortable environment for his pets. So maybe, 
if God does love us, but there's still suffering, maybe God's goal is something more important than just keeping us satisfied and comfortable. Maybe God's goal for us is, is better. See, can we really not think of an instance where love could never allow suffering? Of course we can, especially if you're a parent, right? Your kids do not want to get their shots, but it is good for them and it's loving to take care of them. You say, no, you cannot have candy for dinner every day. Why? Because you hate them and you're mean and you don't exist. No, because it's not good for them. And maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to try to kind of change the friendship trajectory of you for a little bit because those friends aren't helping you. And you say you can't go over to that person's house and they feel like they're suffering and they can't go to the party or whatever. But it's what's good for them when you made them suffer, right? See, love at times requires suffering. And so using our framework... We can say this, since God loves us, he must have good, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving reasons for allowing us to suffer. And we can know and we can trust that everything he allows comes out of his love for us. I'm not saying, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we will always understand the why behind the suffering, and I'm not saying that we will enjoy it. And it will be hard. And this might be frustrating, and I get it. But just because we can't imagine a good reason for God to allow suffering doesn't mean that he doesn't have a good reason to allow suffering. This might seem crazy, but I have a friend, and if you've been around Cross Creek, you've heard this story before. But a friend who, who lost her mother tragically in a car accident like that. And the, what gave her comfort is she, she felt like God told her, if you knew what I knew, you would, have, you would have asked me to do what I did. That's how much I love you. If you knew what I knew and what was actually good, you would have asked me to take your mom. That's crazy. But when we trust that God loves us, it makes sense. So are we really, like, let's dig a little deeper. Are we really just talking about some form of fatalism, right? Like God, you know, he does his thing and he expects us just to accept the horrible things that happen and then get over it because that's just fate. No. And here's where the reality of Christianity is so much better than anything else you will ever find. Christianity's answer to evil and suffering is not a philosophy or a group of teachings or a spiritual program. It's a person, Jesus. See, in Christianity, Christianity is the only belief system where pain and suffering have meaning and can be redeemed and where it's, it's understood and ultimately dealt with. See, as I said in the beginning, evil and suffering seem to be the most natural things in the world. Like They're all around us. We all deal with it, but we also all sense this isn't how things are supposed to be. We all sense somebody should do something about this. We feel that because it's true. Evil and suffering are foreign invaders to our humanity. They're invaders to our world that weren't part of the original design that do need to be dealt with. And Jesus answers the problem of evil and suffering, not with a program, not with some rules, but with himself. See, God himself said, that's enough. It's time for this to end.
God himself entered into our suffering. He embraced it. He chose to suffer right alongside us as a first century Middle Eastern peasant. And then he redeemed all of our suffering by suffering for us. He took our death and our punishment that we, the evildoers, deserved, that we earned from hurting others, from bringing evil into the world. He took that penalty for us. He paid the fee, the penalty, the fine. He satisfied justice by dying on the cross. And then <laughs> he destroyed the power of death and evil by rising again from the dead. And through that, he offers to empower us to now use our freedom for its intended purpose of love. Jesus' resurrection shows us that evil and suffering are not permanent. And because he loves you, every painful experience is now being used to make something unimaginably better. I think this verse that, I'm gonna, that, that Paul wrote in Romans, I want to read to you. I think we often, it's just thrown at pain and suffering. But if we really understand it, I think it makes a huge difference. And we know that God causes everything, everything. I, that's like mind-blowing. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, not only is he using our suffering, our pain for good, however that works, he's not only using it for good, I'm like, oh, well, you're just a tool. No. See, he's in it with us also. See, Jesus doesn't say that your suffering is your fault. He doesn't just tell you, well, ignore it because you're loved. He doesn't tell you to pretend it's not there or, or to escape it somehow or to make up for it or just, you know, pass the test and then you won't suffer or to just deal with it on your own. No, it's so much better than that. See, Paul also says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, he says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And he goes on to say there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. See, when we suffer... Because God is with us, God himself suffers with us. And then he redeems it. He uses it to create a story of new life and true love. And when we lose someone, tragically, we often say, you know, I don't want this death to be in vain, right? And people have changed their lives and changed the world because they don't want their loved one's death to be, to be meaningless. Or we, we don't want this loss to be, to be pointless, with Jesus, no pain is ever wasted or in vain or pointless. With Jesus, we're actually able to say, God loves me. I am not alone. My pain has a loving reason. I might not always know why, but I can know that my pain has a loving reason because there's proof that God loves me. It's not pointless. It will be used for good. I might not be able to imagine it right now, but it will be used for good because God promises it. See, tragedy, crisis, suffering, it will happen. 
It's part of being a human. God promises it will happen. It's part of living in this world. But he also says he can use it. He can use it to draw us to him. The one thing, the one person we need himself. See, he uses our, our suffering to show that we can't live on our own. Like in the face of real life, to avoid real suffering, we're powerless. But we're not alone. God himself enters into it, walks with us through it. In fact, this is what C.S. Lewis kind of put it in a much better way than I am. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaking in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. See, Jesus uses our pain to show us how much he loves us, that he's with us. Jesus is personally with us in our personal pain. He says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I am with you always. So, with all of that, how do we like actually use this? Right? It's, it's pointless if we have all this philosophy and theology but can't use it when things get tough. So, what do we do when facing evil and suffering? Here's four ideas I think that can be helpful. What do we do when facing evil and suffering? First, acknowledge reality. Like, don't ignore it. Don't try to push it away. Don't just try to get over the fact that you've been hurt. That pain, that suffering is real. It hurts, and it's most likely not fair. It's truth. It's there. It's real. Acknowledge it. But once we acknowledge it, then the choice begins. Then we have a choice. This choice changes everything. We can either allow that pain that is real to harden us, to, to push us away from God, to say, why me? Like, why, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so mean, God? Like, why do you hate me so much? Or we can choose in that moment to filter all of life through the framework of God loves me. If God loves me, then I can trust there's a reason behind this that I might not know. If God loves me, I can allow this to draw me closer to him, to rely on him more, and experience the life he has created me for. And so, second thing we can do is cling to God's love. We can just cling to those three words. God loves me. This hurts, but God loves me. I don't understand why it's happening, but God loves me. It's not fair. I didn't do anything to deserve this, but God loves me. You are not abandoned. And sometimes we just need to cling to that simple truth that God loves us. Like, like a mountain climber clinging to the roots of a tree on a cliff. God loves me. And then allow that fact to bring us closer to him. To do that, I would say, read what I read and, and go on with it with Romans 8, 35 through 39. See that nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. And then allow God to redeem it. Allow God to redeem that hurt. Use what you've gone through to love others, to, to be able to relate to others. Allow God to use that hurt to use you to bring healing to others, to, to point others to the love of God. But to do that, you need to be with others. Your pain can actually be redeemed as you walk through it with others. And so forth, embrace community. You don't have to suffer alone, and neither do they. 
embrace community as we redeem our pain together and grow each other and strengthen each other and comfort each other through our pain. Evil and suffering are real and they're incredibly personal. We can't ignore them. We can't wish them away. We can't just do better or, or hide from them. We have a choice. We can allow the reality of evil and suffering to push us away from God. We can blame him. We can ask good questions but not really accept good answers. Or we can accept the truth that he loves us and that he allows what he allows because his love is perfect. We can embrace that he is with us, that he understands us and is using every experience to create something better. We can invite him into our lives, allow him to redeem both the good and the bad as we walk with others who are experiencing the same painful world. See, evil and suffering show us our need for the love, power, and presence of Jesus. And we have the choice to allow evil and suffering to harden us or strengthen our relationship with Jesus and his family. give us a lot to think about as we navigate uh, the muddy waters we find ourselves in here in 2021. What year is it? Uh, 1995, remember? 95. You got some ID. I hope you found some of that helpful, especially the little challenge there at the end. If you feel like you want to reread some of what John had to say, there's a transcript available in the show notes. We also have a little handout that goes along with this with the main points and questions to discuss. Uh, it also has some links that you might enjoy on that handout. All of this is in the description or the show notes. We're not done with this series. We still have a few more left. And so if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube or podcast uh, channels, those are great ways to be notified of upcoming episodes. Another way to do that is to text TF Salem to 94000 and you can subscribe to uh, get updates, text updates on when we drop these episodes. So thank you so much for watching. As I mentioned earlier at the beginning, we are a church in Salem, uh, for Salem, inviting you to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together with us as we're on this journey together. We meet in person as a church, as a body, twice a month, usually on the second and fourth Sundays of the month. This February though, it's gonna look a little different because the second Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. So we won't be meeting that week, but we hope to see you on the fourth Sunday in February on the 27th. That's our next in-person gathering and you're invited. Now, if you have teenagers, we wanna let you know about something new that's coming up at Cross Creek. We are gonna be starting back up our Youth Connect meetings. So we're gonna be gathering in person with middle school and high school kids. We'll be gathering at Gateway Foursquare on the first and third Sundays of the month. And so there's gonna be information online about that, but I wanted to give you a heads up because that is starting in February. So in a couple weeks, we're gonna be meeting up. Send us an email, uh, info at eracrosscreek.com if you want more information, or uh, check out the link in the description and we'll let you know about times and events and things like that. So thank you so much for watching. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your January and we'll see you next week with another So What About Question. <music>